Good morning, everybody. For those of you who do not know, my name is Brandon Talley. I have been a part of the Crosswave and Gateway community for 13 and a half years or so. Um, so I've spent lots of time with uh, many of the people in this room, and, uh, and I've enjoyed uh, being able to get to know them and grow with them uh, and learn from them throughout many years. And so it's a, uh, it's a pleasure to be able to be up here this morning and uh, share what God uh, would have for each and every one of us. Uh, this message this morning, I was talking with Sarah on the way here, is just as much for me as it is for everybody else, I think. And uh, I think that can be said for many messages that God gives. But, um, but I'm very uh, aware that God is also speaking to me uh, through this as well. And uh, I'm excited to see what he says to each and every one of you. All right, so by a show of hands, how many of you would, after service, leave with me and Sarah, go to RDU, find the cheapest flight out of RDU, and spend two days with us there on vacation? Where? <laughs> <laughs> wherever, the, wherever the cheapest flight would go. How many of you would do that? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right, we've got Amanda. Amanda will go next week. All right. <laughs> All right. Nobody else. No other takers. All right. So I'm, I think about it. You think about it. Okay. So Bill will think about it. So we've got to think about it. We've got a yes and many, many no's. Yes, <laughs> yes, next weekend. So why would you not do that? We might be concerned about your character. Okay. All right. There you go. A fair, a fair concern, I would say, probably. All right. Anybody else? Why not? I got an exam on Monday. You got an exam on Monday. Okay. Anybody else? I wouldn't want to leave my wife behind. Okay. Well, I mean, you could bring her with you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Okay. There you go. All right. All right. And a little bit more planning than just the uh, find the cheapest flight. So there is a group of guys on YouTube, and they are called Yes Theory. And they do crazy things like this all the time. They will go up to strangers on the street, and they will say, we are going to go to the airport right now, and we're going to find the cheapest flight, and we're going to spend two days wherever that takes us. Do you want to go with us? And they get all range of answers. <laughs> They get lots of people who say, I have an exam on Monday, otherwise I would go. Or, are you paying? Um, are you paying? Or, I have no idea who you are, and you're probably going to kill me, so I'm probably not going to go along with you. Um, but their goal is to get people out of their comfort zone and to have experiences that they've never known before. Um, they have asked Uber drivers if they will go skydiving with them. They have dialed random phone numbers on a phone until they got somebody to answer. And then once that person answered, they asked, where do you live? And would you like to hang out? <laughs> they uh, went to Europe and they found a bunch of backpackers and they set up a luxury overnight stay for them at this fancy hotel with a spa and a five course meal with a like iron chef and all this stuff. But they didn't tell them what was going on. They said, will you spend an evening with us, but we, you can't ask any questions? How many of you would do that? <laughs> they live by the motto, seek discomfort. And it is inspired by Will, Sp Will Smith's speech on fear. Will talks about, how many of you in here know or do not know who Will Smith is? <laughs> 
Okay, everybody knows. Okay, you don't know who Will Smith is? You do know who Will Smith is. Okay, all right. So Will Smith is an actor, um, and so he talks about um, his skydiving experience. How him and his friends the night before had had a couple of drinks, and they got real brave. And they said, let's go skydiving tomorrow. And they're all like, yeah, let's go skydiving. They're high-fiving each other. He's like, but then you go and lay in bed, and you're like, oh, no. What have I decided to do? And he's like, in the whole night, I'm laying there, and I'm terrified. He's like, I'm going to jump out of a plane. He's like, but I'm not going to not jump out of the plane because I'm not going to be the only guy who's not going to jump out of this plane. And so he drives there, and the whole drive there, he's freaking out. He's like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Why are we doing this? And he's getting his parachute on. He's getting all this stuff on. He's like, oh, my gosh. And then you're 14,000 feet in the air, and he's like, what am I doing here? And he's like, and then the guy opens the door and he says, all of a sudden you realize that you've never been on a plane with a door wide open before (laughs) and you're standing on the edge and they count to three and they say, okay, on three. And they say one, two, and they push you out on two because people grab on three. And so he says, but then in a split second, you realize in one second that at the point of maximum danger is the point of minimum fear. He says, When you're flying through the sky and you're just free falling, he says, that was the point at which I had absolutely zero fear. So he realized that the thing that he had been fearing and being afraid of the whole time was the only thing that he didn't have to be afraid of. He says at the end of his speech, on the other side of maximum fear are all the best things in life. So you realize in one second that at the moment of maximum danger is the point of minimum fear. So he's saying, I'm in the middle of the air. I'm falling into nothing. And this is the point at which I do not have to be afraid. And on the other side of that maximum fear, so he's standing on the edge of this plane, right? And so the point of his maximum fear is this wall between him and nothing. But on the other side of that is all of the best experiences in life. So while I'm unsure of the faith of a lot of these individuals on uh, the the Yes Theory guys on YouTube or Will Smith, um, I did feel God very clearly as I'm watching these guys and I'm listening to them. He said to me that if I want the full measure of blessings that he has for me, then I'm going to have to seek discomfort on the other side of my maximum fear. And so today in... I guess a seemingly little bit of contrast of joy. (laughs) We're going to talk about seeking discomfort. The term seeking discomfort in this context, what do you think it means? Somebody give me what what you think of when you hear the the term seek discomfort. Awkwardness. Awkwardness. Okay. Out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Based on what you've described, doing things that you're afraid of. Doing things that you're afraid of. Absolutely. So it is a new, a kind of new perspective on get out of your comfort zone. But it's almost like people tell you all the time, you should get out of your comfort zone. And it's like, okay, but then this is, this is more of a call to action, right? Instead of saying you should get out of your comfort zone, this is telling you to, well, then how do I get out of my comfort zone? I seek discomfort. That's how you get out of your comfort zone is by seeking discomfort. And while there are many aspects of the Christian life that I think that we can apply this mindset to, um, we're going to explore the parallels of the guys at Yes Theory and the crazy things that they ask people to do and how their boldness is the perfect example of what the Christian faith is supposed to be. 
So today we're going to read in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. So if you want to take a minute to turn there. And I didn't say, but my voice is a little hoarse this morning. I've been a little underweather at the uh, end of this week. And so I told Bill yesterday that he may need to have a backup plan, but I was pretty determined to be here this morning. So. <laughs> What was the reference? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 6 and go through uh, verse 14. Tim didn't know it, but he was the backup player. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, Tim. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Um, if somebody would like um, to read that passage, um, you're more than welcome to. So. Chapter, or, sorry, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 14. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now it's been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Thank you, Randy. So, a lot of you, most of you, I would say, 99%, decided to not go with me and Sarah to the airport at the end of the day and uh, fly out. But, when you watch the guys at Yes Theory, their videos are probably only like 10 to 12 minutes long. And probably like... Two minutes of that is a short montage of them asking all these people to do these crazy things. But these short little montages are representative of hours and hours and hours of them asking so, so, so many people until they find that one person. So why do you think that these guys spend hours and hours and hours persisting and asking people? What do you think the reason is? What keeps them going? There are people that say yes. There are people that say yes. Okay. They're looking for that one person who says yes. Anybody else? Why do they keep going? Gets them out of their comfort zone. Gets them out of their comfort zone. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> to ask. Absolutely. They're looking for people to die with them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to die alone. <laughs> The reason that they push forward is because they know and they fully believe in what they are asking these people to do. They know and they fully believe in what they're asking these people to do. Um, I watched a video one time where they spent four hours asking people to fly somewhere with them, uh, but they never gave up because they wanted someone, one person, to have the experience of a lifetime. They went around an airport and they went up to people and they're like, will you change your flight and fly to, like, where's the place that you've always wanted to go? And someone was like, Hawaii. And they're like, well, you want to go to Hawaii with us for two days? And they're like, sure. 
And so they went and they changed their flight and they went to Hawaii as their connecting point instead of wherever their layover was. They spent two days in Hawaii and then they went back. But they spent hours and hours and hours asking people if they would go until they found that one person who said yes. And the reason they persist is because they knew that if one person would just say yes, they could show them amazing experiences and they could give them an experience of a lifetime. And so why is it that so many Christians avoid this same approach to evangelism? If we know Christ and his promises, then why are we so afraid to stop someone and tell them about him? What are some of your answers to that? If we know Christ and we know his promises, then why are we so afraid or why are we so resistant or reluctant to stop and ask people for hours and hours and wait for that one person to say yes? Because the flesh reigns supreme. Okay. Fear has more control than faith does. Okay. I would agree with both of those things. Anybody else? Some people think that that's not their calling. It's called for somebody else. Okay. It's not their it's not their problem to ask. It's somebody else's problem to ask. Okay. I would say that along with all of those, and all of those are absolutely correct, that there are a few reasons that we can break down why people resist this desire to go and ask. Even though we know that on the other side of this fear that we have are all the best things in life. So the first one would be, to me, I think, is that they don't actually fully know and trust in Jesus. Paul says in verse 12, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed. Paul is not ashamed because he knows who he believes. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So Paul says here that he's not ashamed because he knows who it is that he believes in, not because he's done it a hundred times, not because he's gotten in front of people or he's asked a bunch of people a bunch of times and he's got really good practice, so that's why he's not ashamed. Or, um, and so, I'm sorry, we'll see. Uh, even though uh, I'm sure that all of those things helped. You know, I'm sure asking people a hundred times or going out and speaking, you know, so many times has, has surely helped. And uh, and you keep in mind too that Paul was preaching the gospel pretty soon after his conversion. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about it took him a whole lot of practice. <clears throat> Paul was converted, and he was pretty immediately out there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't say that it was because um, you know, he was a great public speaker. He didn't say, "I'm not ashamed because." I'm a good public speaker. I can get in front of people and I can speak well. No, it's because he knew he knows or he knew who it was that he was talking about. And we have to really believe that what we believe is really real. You have to really believe that what you believe is really real. And if you aren't convinced, then you can't convince somebody else. So that's the first reason I think is because if we... If you want to go up to somebody and you want to say, do you know who Jesus is? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. If you yourself don't really truly know who he is or you haven't truly bought into the promises that he's given you. And it's not necessarily a 
whether or not you're actually saved. Because I think that there's different levels of faith, right? So there's plenty of people who are baby Christians who may just have found Jesus and they're still learning and they're still growing. But then there's many people who have been Christians or have known Jesus for quite some time, but have still not fully known the promises that Jesus has for them. And so these guys, they ask people because they know that on the other side, they're going to buy a plane ticket. They're going to take these guys to Hawaii and they're going to have an amazing time. But do you know that when you ask somebody and you ask and you ask and you ask and you're rejected a hundred times, that when you find that one person who says yes, do you believe that you can back up? Do you believe that Jesus can back up the promises that he's made? Reason number two is that they have worries or that they have fear. Like Will talked about with skydiving, they've built up this mountain of fear and excuses about evangelism. Instead of piling up the promises that God has given, they pile up a mountain of what ifs. What if they say no? What if I'm not, you know, what if I don't have the answer? What if I look stupid? What if I don't, like we were talking about before, what if I don't actually believe what it is that Jesus told me that he was going to do. What if I don't believe that? But we read that we read in scripture, the many promises that God gives Isaiah forty twenty nine says he gives power to the faint and to him who has not has no might. He increases strength. James one five. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Deuteronomy 31, eight. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And then Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1 uh, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And so I know that for me personally, that this is one of the, this is one of the, the, the points for me that I would say um, is that when I remember the very first time when I was a kid, the first time that someone challenged me to witness to somebody, they said, you know, I want you to go home from, we were at camp and they were like, when you get home, we want you to tell one person about Jesus. And God hit me. He was like, you know, who you got to talk to. And it was my friend, Tyler across the street. And I hung out with him all the time. And I knew he wasn't a Christian. And so I was so terrified. I built up all the what ifs. What if he never wants to play with me anymore? What if he doesn't you know, believe what I say? What if he thinks I'm weird? What if, and I built up all this mountain of fear. And so just like Will Smith going up to skydiving. Oh my gosh, what if this happens? Oh my gosh, what if this happens? I'm so terrified. I'm so afraid. Okay. And he's getting off the, the, the bus pulls in and I'm like, okay, he's getting off. The, I was homeschooled, so I didn't ride a bus. I, I stayed at home. Um, but he pulled in on the bus and he got off the bus and I'm like, okay, it's time. And so I go out to him and we're walking home and on our walk home, I just did it. I jumped out of the plane. I said, do you like believe in Jesus? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, let me tell you what he's done for my life. And so I told him, I said, you know, I used to not be a Christian. I was dead in my sins. Um, but, you know, God showed me that his promises and his truth is greater than the world. And because of that, I trust in Jesus. And as a child, I probably didn't say it a lot like that. I was probably very confusing. <laughs> he was really confused by the end of it because he looked at me and he said, okay, so are like you like my preacher now? And I was like, no, I just wanted to tell you this. He's like, okay, cool. 
well, I've got homework to do, so I'm going to go do some homework. I was like, all right. And that was it. <laughs> he went inside and he did his homework and I went home and I was like, well, I did it. And so this is a lot of times the point of seeking discomfort. It's that awkwardness that Bill talked about. And that's what we talk about in Crosswave a lot too. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so awkward. Like, oh, walking up to these people and saying, hey, you know, do you know Jesus? But if we truly believe these promises, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Think about that. The Lord who created the heavens and earth with, a, with, with one voice, with one word, with a snap of his finger, it happened, it created. He's the one who goes before us when we're, when we're telling people about him. He's the one who goes, we're not going in our own power and he's not like sneaking around the corner like, let's see how Brandon does. You know, let's see how Julie does. Like, what, what are they going to do? No, he is before us. He's standing with us. His spirit is around us and within us. And so if we believe those promises and we buy into that and we truly know that, then these what ifs and these worries kind of fall very short and they seem ridiculous and they seem silly. And uh, reason uh, number th uh, three, I think, is that they lack patience. Because for those of you in this room, who I know that there are many, uh, who evangelize and who go on missions and who tell people about Christ, is that there is a lot of preparation. There is a lot of time and there's a lot of effort that goes into building relationships and trying to lead people to Christ. Um, as we discussed before, the yes theory guys uh, who ask for hours and hours uh, with no response still keep asking. But in evangelism, this can often translate into days, weeks, or even years. <clears throat> How many of you in here have people that you've been praying for for years? Raise your hand. That you're trusting in God for salvation. Mm -hmm. Years and years. It takes patience. And a lot of people don't have patience. And this is another one that resonates with me. <laughs> because those of, uh, those of you in the room who know me know that patience is not like high on my rung of spiritual gifts. Um, and a lot of times this is the reason why people give up ministry. Is because they let ministry. I've heard it said that you let ministry get in the way of preparation for ministry. You get so in this mindset of, I'm going to go ask people about Jesus and I'm going to tell them about him. And you go out there, but you have no idea what you're going to do because you haven't taken the time to sit and prepare and study. How did the disciples do it? How did Paul do it? How did Jesus do it? Do you even know what you're talking about? <laughs> do you need to seek counsel from somebody to find out what it is that I need to say, what it is that Jesus preaches and promises so that I can know in my heart so that when I believe that I can go out and confidently speak and preach the gospel. It can be disappointing, but there will come that one person who responds. There will come that one person who says, yeah, let's go to Hawaii. <laughs> there will be that one person who says, absolutely, I'll spend the night with you in a, a hotel somewhere without knowing who you are. <laughs> there will be one person who says, yes, I would like to hear more about Jesus. And so all of that fear, all of the what ifs that we build up, all of the questions and doubts that we have about Jesus and his promises, they all fall away because that one person, we kept persisting. We had patience. We kept asking. Um, I mean, think about Jeremiah. Gracious me. And the amount of rejection that he had over the years, you know, prophesying 
in, Jesus, in God's name and all of the rejection. And so in all of this, we trust in Jesus. We don't have worries. We have to have patience. So choose to seek discomfort in evangelism. Know Christ, believe his promises, and patiently await his response because God has called us to it and wants to bless us and others. Because on the other side of our maximum fear are the greatest things in life. <clears throat> Paul in Christ calls us to boldness of faith in evangelizing to the world. And we have to keep in mind that this is the same Paul who wrote letters to people about rejoicing, not from the back of a cruise ship with a pina colada in his hand, but chained to a guard in prison, sitting in his own fluids and sitting in his own filth and sitting in the filth of others, praising the name of Jesus Christ because he knew who it was that he believed in. This is the man who's encouraging us to have boldness of faith. But there are countless other examples of those in scripture who sought discomfort in the name of bringing glory to God in different circumstances. Noah built a boat for 125 years for a flood that nobody believed was coming. Abraham left his home and family to follow God's call into a new land and a new life. Moses entered Pharaoh's chamber with nothing but his staff to demand in the name of God that he let the Israelites go. David faced Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone to defend the glory of God, the glory of his God against the blaspheming Philistine. Jeremiah prophesied to a nation of people who laughed at him and ignored him. Hosea married a prostitute to be an example of God's love for us, even when we are wicked. Mary had faith to carry God's son, despite what it would mean for her earthly reputation. And Jesus, the son of God, left the glory of heaven and took on the helpless form of a human infant. Fully dependent on his human mother. He fasted in the desert and resisted Satan. He spoke truth from God even when others were prepared to stone him for it. He removed his clothing to wash his disciples' muddy and grimy feet. He willingly walked into the arms of his arresters, knowing the torture that awaited him on the other side. He carried his cross on his shoulders. And he was nailed to it for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus was very afraid. So much so that he bled sweat or he sweat blood. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane praying to God and he was terrified. But he knew that on the other side of his maximum fears were blessings from the father God like no one had ever known. His is the name above every name. He is seated at the right hand of God and he is calling you to live the life that he did. We are all at different stages of our faith, but each of us has something that God is calling us to that we are afraid of. 
whether it be horrified or just a little bit uncomfortable with. Ask God today to help you identify what that is. So I want you to take a moment. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. And I want you to take this moment to seek God. And I want you to take this moment to recognize all those in Scripture who had faith and they sought the discomfort of glorifying God. And I want you to think to yourself, what is it that God is calling me to? God, what is it that you are calling me to be uncomfortable for so that I can glorify your name? And when you have that thing, I want you to take it and I want you to give it over to God. I want you to either write it down on a sheet of paper when you get home or a note on your phone. And I want you to give it to God and offer it to him and cast your cares upon him. Because you guys can open your eyes. The tables have now turned and God is approaching you and he's asking you to go to Hawaii. He's asking you to stay somewhere and be with somebody that you have no idea who they are. He's asking you to go to the other side of your maximum fear because that's not the spirit he's given you. He's asking you to do something so that he can bless you with the promises that he's given you. Seek discomfort as Jesus did and experience the blessings beyond comprehension. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for your call. <coughs> Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much that even in things like YouTube videos and, and things like that, that you can still speak to us through these things. Lord, that you can still show us that in seeking discomfort, Lord, we can find maximum joy. Lord, because when we seek the things that are outside of our comfort zone, Lord. We expand the world that you have for us and we expand the blessings that you have for us. Lord, if we continually reach out and we continually go out, Lord, there are more blessings to be found. And Lord, you don't, you are a God who is not satisfied with his people sitting in a small little circle, Lord. You want them to experience the blessings that you have for them. Lord, the, uh, the blessings that you have for us. And Lord, by us sitting down and not going anywhere, Lord, you know that we're not experiencing fully what it is that you have for us. So Lord, I pray that today, that no matter what it is, whatever that thing is that, um, that we thought of, Lord, that we, that we know that you're calling us to, or whether it be evangelism, whether it be any other world of any things, Lord God, that we would not sit in our circle contently, Lord, but that we would seek discomfort. That we would get out of our comfort zone by finding that thing that would make us feel awkward, by finding that thing that would make us feel a little afraid, and that we would go for it. Because, Lord, we know that in your word that you promised that you will go before us in that. And God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that, um, that you gave me to speak your word today. I pray, God, that your, uh, your spirit would, would not leave this place, Lord, but that it would remain, that it would continue to speak as, uh, as we continue to worship you and praise your name. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your